0: You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit Romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I actually have a favorite memory that's happening right now. Romamu used to, before we were here in this church, we were literally across the streets, Um, in the Grosvenor house on the second floor there was a gym there and there still is and you can walk by there were these huge bay windows huge glass windows and it was I think it was the coincidence also of Good Friday and Purim second day it was 2007 maybe and we had the same thing where we davened together with them it was like outside remember that? really amazing so every year On this Shabbat, it's the Shabbat of my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Every single year I get to do a tikkun. Tikkun is I get to fix something that should have happened then but didn't. You see, I was a rabbi from a very early age. Notwithstanding the dispute in my family as to whether I I gave my first sermon when I was three or eight... Either way, it was probably too long. <laughs> but at my coming of age ceremony at my Bar Mitzvah, I, um, I should have included a sermon. But I have a twin brother, and it would have been way too long for the two of us to have given sermons. And so we basically, you're looking at a really long soup to nuts service, which we did, but we didn't really, either one of us, give a sermon. We didn't give a devour. We didn't offer weekly wisdom from our Parsha. So I've made it up, I think, over the last 8 to 10 years here at Romamo, without a doubt. But every week on this Parsha, I get a chance to do some Tikkun, to fix that mistake, that missed Bar Mitzvah sermon, filling in retrospectively what I might have said, or what I may have needed to hear myself, yeah? So I'm thinking a lot this week about the power of Passion and how powerful a role passion plays in our lives, in our hearts, in our communities, and in our world. I remember as a kid that I was a super, super intense young man. But then again, so were my parents. I learned about passion from my dad. My dad taught me about passion. My dad was, and is, should live and be well, a very devoted man. If my dad loves you, get ready. (laughs) My father is passionate about family, and he is extreme about family. I remember being in summer camp one year, in a camp that was about two and a half hours outside of the city, and I was dating someone, and it was her birthday, and I called my father to tell him how things were going, and I said, you know, my, my girlfriend really loves Smurfs. So my father said, what's that? said, Dennis, these little blue things, whatever. But I've been looking all around in, in this neighborhood up here and I can't find any Smurfs, whatever. And I mentioned it parenthetically. And the next morning, 7.30 in the morning, I get a knock on the door and I have to come to the headquarters because my dad is standing there wow. with a Smurf set. <laughs> no you know, Amazon drones, nothing, none of that stuff. There's my dad with these blue figurines, you know, that said, Dad, what are you doing here? He said, you know, I left New York at five in the in the morning, got here at 7 30. That was my plan. And now I'm leaving goodbye. He walked out the door <laughs> and he made it back for his ten o'clock phone call. That's passion. It's devotion. It's desire and it is ultimately love and maybe a little bit Meshuggah. (laughs) Passion is a word that's very alive this week, right? For Jews having just celebrated yesterday Purim and then today being Shushan Purim which is the kind of after party of Purim or a Purim doggy bag or a Purim extra day. It's a unique quality of a festive, raucous holiday that you get an extra. Kind of this carnival-esque holiday that spills over. Its passion is so intense that the overflow, we drink more than we should, we, we party more than we should, we have more days than we should. It's a sanctioned overflow. Passion that has run amok. Passion on steroids. <laughs> passion that obliterates boundaries and inhibitions. It overturns conventions and controls It pushes beyond limits and structures to create something new. Kimu Vekiblu. Purim is all about passion. Passion of a king for pleasure. It's a passion for political gain and power. It's passion and poison of hate and envy and jealousy. Passion is everywhere in the Megillah. It is lust, it is greed. It is ardent, it is affection, it is outbursts of rage and anger. It is passion as possession. And of course today, as we just heard, Good Friday, Holy Friday, a day celebrated or commemorated, depending on which group of Christians are celebrating it, to remember the crucifixion of Jesus. And of course the full story of Jesus' trial, death, and resurrection is known as the Passion Plague. A story of pathos and pain, passion there is from the Latin passio or pati for pain, suffering. And of course, the eventual triumph over suffering. Now, there's nothing good about Good Friday, really. And nothing really funny about Purim, per se. Having your savior die on a cross probably wasn't a good feeling. And narrowly averting a genocide only to be empowered to commit our own in self-defense doesn't really feel good either. But each in their own way speak to the power and the potency of passion to explore suffering, to explore desire, and to explore perennial questions of religious passion and religious power. The dark and the light side of pleasure and pain, in a word, passion has it all. It's got the joy and it's got the sorrow. It's got the elevation and the degradation. It's all there. And of course, given that passion is such an important category in religious thinking, everyone, we know that there's something true that must transcend all of the different flavors in the Baskin-Robbins of Jewish life. (laughs) Some religious truths, they don't stand the test of time. Some truths are like obnoxious drivers who take up too much space. They die from overreach. They cross lanes when they shouldn't. They assert assertions that don't hold because they were never really the province of religious truth. The great scientist Stephen Jay Gould once said that each area of knowledge is a magisterium and that science and religion are two distinct magisteriums. Each had their own worldview and each had their own empirical evidence and each one should remain there. So let's look at some truths that emerge from the passion of Purim and the passion of Good Friday. An eternal truth that can burn through important but secondary surface structures. This weekly wisdom tomorrow, my Parsha. I forgot to say, I'm sorry. Shalom, thank you for coming to my Bar Mitzvah. (laughs) Tomorrow morning's reading is going to begin with an arresting image of fire on the altar. God speaks to Moses saying Give a charge to Aaron and his children. This is the teaching, the Torah, this is the rite, this is the law of the Ola, of the holy burnt offering, an offering that is fully consumed on the altar. Let fire let fire consume it completely. Let it be consumed, the esha mizbeach tukad bo. Let the fire of the mizbeach, of the altar, let it be inflamed, let it be consumed. This korban olah. it was a unique sacrifice. The entire night, the animal would burn down to ashes on the altar. It would keep the mishkan, the Tabernacle, aglow continuously, even during the depths of nighttime darkness. There was always a little devotional light flickering. There was always a little bit of that fire that was taking that animal, consuming it. And there had to be a continual flame. An eshtamid tamid ale mizbeach, lo tichbe, let there be a full flame like this eternal flame. Let it be there. Don't let the light go out. Let a fire be in it. let it consume it completely. The constancy of that burning devotion that comes for the Hasidic teachers an analogy for the human heart. on fire. for God. on fire for spirit, on fire for transformation. Say the Hasidic masters. The Baal Shem Tov, and then his grandson, the Dego Machane Ephraim. Let the fire be burning on the altar. The altar is the heart, and let a fire be burning in your heart that allows you to commit completely to give all of yourself, all of yourself, to be lit. Get lit (laughs) for transformation. Get lit. Ignite a passion that burns inside and give all of yourself. Don't hold anything back. If my 13-year-old David were standing here, which he is, he'd say, that sounds a little bit like me in high school. I was the crazy kid. Whatever I did, I threw myself into completely. I was the one most likely to become from, to flip out. If I went to an NCSY or Religious Shabbaton, I would come back and I would be chuckling. Anybody here ever called intense? Anybody ever here called too intense? Wow, those who are too intense, they're too on fire. They burn, burn, burn like those votives, right? They burn bright. And the world says, we're a little, bit of, a little bit afraid, you're a little bit too extreme. In a week in which we saw the ugly, shameful, shadow flames of extremism, in a week in which we saw the ugly, painful, distorted passion for power and politics, In months in which we are full blown, it's up in our face. The intensity and the absolute, it's so, it so pulls you in. When someone is intense, when somebody is on fire, when somebody is lit up, when somebody really believes in something so wholeheartedly, with all of their heart and soul, with everything they have, the word in Hebrew for Adam, human being, is also the same letters as me'od. We are all of us, a lot. We have a yearning for intensity. And in the intensity of someone who wants to sell you something, you want to buy it. People who don't have intensity are not. What's the word? When you're sick, right? When you're sick and somebody gets you. It's contagious. When someone believes in it something so deeply. We want what they have. It's attractive. There was a a rebbe named the Imre Emes. He was the son of the Svas Ames, he was the Gera Hasidic tradition. And when he came to this verse, at the age of five years old, he was in Cheder, he was in school, and he was reading my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, I'm, I'm honored, and he, he got to the verse that said, "The to tukad bo, and let the fire of the altar burn inside bo. It should mean, right, bo in Hebrew means inside of him. But the verse was saying, let the fire of the altar burn in it, in the animal, or on the altar. So this little kid says to his malamed, he says to his teacher, he says, what does it mean when it says Tukad bo? Is that referring to a person? And the Rebbe, the teacher, doesn't know what, you know, he's the son of the grand Rebbe. he doesn't want to answer him, so he says, I don't know, why don't you go ask your father? <laughs> so little Avram Alter, Avramala Alter, goes over to his father, MS, Emes, Yehuda altar, Alter, and he says, he says, Abba Tati, he says, It says in the verse, in this week's portion, let the fire of the altar burn in Bo, in him. Who is that referring to? So his father says, no, Avramel, what do you think? So you know what Avramel said? He said, I think it means the priest, the one who is igniting the altar. A priest, a spiritual practitioner, must feel like someone who actually means the stuff that they are peddling. A book that just came out this week, that was reviewed by my friend Mark Oppenheimer in tablet, was posthumously published by Edgar Bronfman, the great philanthropist, the heir to the Seagram's fortune, who grew up in a secular home, a complete atheist, and he wrote a book called Why Be Jewish? And Mark Oppenheimer, in his review of the book, said, That title shares a title with two other books that have also been written with exactly the same title, Why Be Jewish? One was written, I mean, both of them were by rabbis and very different rabbis. One of them was Rabbi David Volpe. who's a very well-known conservative rabbi in Los Angeles. And the other one was Meir Kahana. Meir Kahana, the rabid, anti-Arab, racist, critique, a, a critic, of American Judaism. And Edgar Bronfman, in his book, is trying to engage people and say, why be Jewish? And he gives all kinds of great reasons. And I want to write a book and say, not why be Jewish, but if you're going to be Jewish, be on fire. If you're going to be a spiritual practitioner, if you're going to live a holy life, get lit. Be excited. Have a fire that is tukad bo that is inside of each and every one of us. That's your fire. I was on the phone with my brother-in-law about 10 minutes before Shabbat started, and I said, I said Spencer, where's my, where's my sister, and where's my... Uh? And then he said, oh, he's in Utah. They're in Utah. They went to ski. He said, you won't believe this. They're out skiing yesterday. It's Purim. And it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, And up on the ski slopes, there's a Chabad rabbi with a big Megillah. (laughs) Chabad rabbi with a big Megillah on the ski slopes in Park City, Utah. Unbelievable. Religious passion is, in a liberal idiom, is passion for transformation. Passion to evolve as a loving human being. And passionate Jewish engagement means that we expect Judaism, along with all of the other religious traditions, to be vehicles for the evolution of our species. That each and every religious tradition is a vehicle for the evolution of our species. We are chalishing in our culture, we are yearning, we are desirous of passionate spiritual engagement. But you ask me, wait a second, we just celebrated Purim and Purim is a holiday of cynicism and skepticism to a degree. We poke fun at religious traditions. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Is there room within a passionate living for doubt, for cool down, where things are not going smoothly? And so here's where the Parsha says something brilliant. You know that burned holy burnt offering that had to be scorched by that fire, that passion. There are ashes, says the Torah. And the priest, the one who was on fire, is to take those ashes and cleave them off of the altar and place them on the side of the altar. My friend, Dr. Aaron Leib-Smokler, writes, This pious act of trumat hadeshen, of lifting and shoveling the detritus of fiery consumption, reminds us that light does not and need not make darkness disappear. The Magid of Mesrit says that if you need fire, you find fire even in the dust, even in the ashes. There are embers that just need to be burned on. So okay, you were on fire and now you're not. Great. You place that little canister of ashes right next to the altar. And there's fire in those ashes. If the fire is not burning in me, if I'm going through a tough period, if I'm feeling that my life is slightly less than passionate, look in the place where stuff that we've thrown out, stuff that's burned up, stuff that's no longer there, but stay with it. That's Good Friday. Good Friday is the universal spiritual truth expressed through Christianity that on Good Friday, Jesus was crucified and on Esther, I mean Easter Sunday, (laughs) from the embers and from the ashes of that destruction, something arose something life-giving and transforming in their wisdom. Passion extinguished, reignite. So spiritual truth number two, not only be on fire, not only be lit, but when passion has its obstacles, wait for it to reignite. From the ashes of destruction grow the roses of success. From the ashes of destruction grow the roses of success in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> so I'll close with one last story. In the spring of 1938, 78 years ago, my five-year-old father and his two-year-old brother, Joe, along with my grandmother Irene and my grandfather Ali, left Berlin on a journey that would bring them here to New York to the safety of this land of immigrants. Here my grandparents would thrive and here my parents would meet. And here on March 28th, 1969, I was born with my brother Adam and 34 years ago I had my Bar Mitzvah in Jerusalem. And he and I chanted that weekly wisdom, and we reminded ourselves and all of us that were there to live passionately and to look for fire, even in the embers that had been discarded. Rebirth can happen and petals can bloom. And it was 10 years ago on this evening that together we had our first service at Romamu. Romamu, which means to elevate, to live. Elevated. It was a direct desire from my own heart as I used to say to build a fire and let everyone who wanted to put their log on it let's just build a fire for God. From the word laharim to raise up ashes haramat hadeshen Ramimu, ten years ago. And so I want you to know that less than a year after we started Roman Mu, my father was invited by the Berlin government with his family to go back to Berlin. And my father, who had promised that he would never, ever, ever go back to Berlin ever again, he broke that promise and took all of us, 15 Ingbers and others, made our way to Berlin. And on our second day there, we walked into the Naya synagogue, into the new synagogue, which is on Orianberger Strasse, the largest synagogue in pre-war Berlin. It has majestic Eastern Moorish style, and it was one of the few synagogues to survive Kristallnacht, though it was badly damaged prior to World War II, and then it was eventually demolished, most of it. And then it was reconstructed. It's magnificent. And so we walked in, all 15 Ingers walked in, and everybody walked through, and I got stuck in the antechamber in the little entry hall. Because there was a charred Torah there, a Torah that had been saved. And the Torah was open. And I looked in. It was open to my bar mitzvah. And of course it made sense because the Olah, the Holy Burnt Offering, is known in Latin as the Holocaust. I leave for Berlin on Sunday, April 3rd. At a time where even last night here in the shul I heard people saying things like there isn't a God. I heard people in Roman Moos saying... There's no truth but this truth. I heard people speaking and I couldn't believe my ears because the response to religious fire that is extreme is liberal spiritual fire that is extreme. That is devoted to the transformation of humanity through love. The strongest fire that exists a great Christian mystic named Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who was also a paleontologist, he was a scientist, he was a mystic. He wrote, the day will come when after harnessing space, after harnessing the winds and the tides and gravitation, we shall harness for God the energies of love. And on that day, For the second time in the history of the world, we shall have discovered fire. We shall have discovered fire. On a week full of the fire of hatred and hostility, let's remember those words. On a week that is the solemn remembrance of death and resurrection on a week where everything in us is so sick of the vitriol and so sick of the misogyny and so sick of the racism and so sick of the pettiness and the smallness on a week like that. Fire burning here in Bo in here, Bo knows the fire for transformation the fire for living lit. Let's keep that fire growing. So that when people look at us, they say, wow, what are you on? And you'll say, I'm on love. I want to build a world from love. Let's be passionate people.